you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. Well, we're going to teach. Let's teach for a little bit here tonight. Hallelujah. Anyone like teaching? Amen. I love teaching. I love the Word of God. love the Word of God as much as I love His presence. Why? Because they both absolutely change everything about us. Amen. Hallelujah. So, whew, so we are going to jump back into our teaching regarding Jesus being the entrance. And we've talked about Jesus being the entrance to many things. And some may say, well, what, well, what was it? You know, maybe you haven't been here for some of those teachings. What, what, is the, what, is, what is Jesus the entrance into? Well, he's the entrance into everything. He's the entrance into salvation. You can't receive salvation unless you enter through him. He is that gate. Amen, to enter into salvation. He is life. You want life? You want not just years added to you, but you want the God kind of life? You can't get it unless you go through Jesus. He is the entrance to it. You need grace? You got to go through Jesus to get it. You need peace in your life? Does anyone need peace? He is the Prince of Peace. You can't get it without Him. I mean, you got to begin to seek Him. You need joy in your life. Are you walking around with a frown all the time? Listen, joy is from Him. Happiness is a choice, but joy is from the Holy Spirit. Joy is from Him. Right? You need deliverance. Deliverance is from Him. You know, I've had so many people over the years come, come to us wanting and desiring deliverance. I mean, needing need to what doesn't matter what, it, what it's from, but I mean, we've had loads of people come and listen, there's a common thread that comes through the people that actually receive deliverance. You say, what is that? That's not, it doesn't have anything to do with me. It doesn't have anything to do with the word. That's not, doesn't have anything to do with how many times you meet with them. Sometimes it can be an absolute waste of time, right? What is that common thread that actually gives deliverance unto people? It's they have a desire for Jesus. They have a desire for him. They, they've recognized something in their life is not right. Something in their life has been separated from God and they desire to push forward, to push towards him, amen, to receive, to receive what they need to do. They seek out change. And how many know if you seek out change, he'll give it to you. He'll reveal it to you. But 100% of the time I've seen when people don't receive deliverance, you say, but what, why don't they receive us? They have the common thread as well. They don't want him. They just want something in one of his benefits. You know, give me, just give me a new liver so I can drink a, you know, fifth of Jack Daniels every day. I don't want to, I don't want to quit what I'm doing. I don't want to turn away from those things. I just, I just want something that you can offer me. And to deliver me from this emphysema or whatever it may be just so I can continue to smoke. I don't, want to, I don't want to change these things, you know. But he will provide deliverance, amen, to the ones that are seeking him. Amen, not just wanting to seek their, their lifestyle and, you know, to, to move forward in the same direction that, that they are going. They're seeking him, amen. We got to be seekers of him. I mean, I know if you want healing in your body, you have to come through him. You have to come through him. He, he, he is the healer. I mean, we got to come through Jesus. If you, if you desire healing, you must seek out Jesus. You must seek out him because he is the healer. Amen. Oh, come on, church. This is who he is. I mean, yes, you can, don't get me wrong. You can come, you come to us. Yes, you can come and we can lay hands on you by faith. 
And if the Holy Spirit's willing, the, the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation. Amen. But, and, and you will get healed. Yes, that's according to the word. We, we can do those things. But, but listen, church, you've got to seek him. You got to seek him. Listen, listen to me very carefully. When you come and you go for a minute, stop. We got to stop seeking ministers and start seeking him. I mean, you got to seek Jesus, not, not just Ryan, not just, you know, Kimberly, not, not Pastor Rusty. Amen. Not, not the healing evangelist that's traveling around the world that has, you know, great, great results in the things he's doing. No, don't stop seeking them and begin to seek Jesus. And when you seek Jesus, listen, my daughter will lay hands on you and you'll get healed just like that. Hmm? But we got to seek him. We got to seek him. He is the, he is the door that is opened into healing. Listen, we can be the vessel. We can be the vessel where, where the anointing and the power of God can flow through us by the law of contact and transmission into someone else. But listen, it all happens by him. It all happens by him. We got to be seeking out his word and we got to be seeking out him. We got to see him, his, his word, you know, will we'll reveal Jesus. His word will reveal Holy Spirit. His word will reveal the love of the Father. Amen. That'll keep us going in the direction that we need to go, right? Since, is, you know, Jesus being the entrance, isn't this what we talked about here in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 16? I mean, that we can come boldly. Because of Jesus, it says, therefore, because of him, we can therefore come boldly under the throne of grace where we can find or obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. You need mercy in your life. You're going to have to go to the throne, right? You, you're gonna have to, you need grace in your life to help you through every situation and circumstance in your life. You go to him. What is grace? It's not the permission to do whatever you want to do. Amen. What is grace? It is the, the supernatural ability of God given unto you by the Holy Spirit to do exactly what the word and Holy Spirit's asking you to do. That's his grace. Where do you get it? You get it from him. You got to get it from him, right? I'm telling you, the, the grace of healing will begin to flow like a river if you'll just come to the one that's sitting on the throne to where the river flows. But we got to come to him. But we got to come to him. Amen. We got to come to him. Have you ever wondered why the, the early church, have you ever wondered why the early church never, not never, but the, why the early church didn't give a whole lot of messages on healing? You ever thought about that when you're reading through the book of Acts and they start ministering the word of God or, 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 or different, different epistles, you know, that, that are in the word? Why wasn't they having full messages only about healing like we do nowadays? Why is that? Because they knew they were healed. They, they knew they were. And when they knew they were, this is how they're able to give it over to other people. Because they knew it's what was in them. They knew it was Jesus. They knew it was the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. And when they knew it, I mean, it didn't mean they didn't have attacks. It didn't mean things didn't come about them. You know, we know Paul talked about even one of the guys that was with him. You know, he worked himself almost, almost to death, right? We, we know things can come against us, right? But we got to know we're healed. And that will purge those things when they, when they, come, when, when they do try to make their way against us, amen? But we got to know we're healed. You know, everything from the scriptures from Genesis to Revelations, it talks about the God we serve, that he is healing. Not necessarily just what he provides. It's one of his covenant names. He's Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals us. It's who he is. Amen. So if we're in one, if we are in union with Jehovah Rapha, if we're in one and we're in union, we're married to, you know, the God that can heal. Hmm. 
how can anything come against us? We are carrying that healing on the inside of us via the Holy Spirit, right? Via the Holy Spirit. And we got to allow him to operate in us, right? We got to allow him to operate in us. See, for as the last 2,000 years have, have progressed since Jesus has left, I mean, the church has, has slowly morphed its way into this, into this position where it thinks, you know, we're just, we're, just, we're just poor sinners in the hands of an angry God. Right? How many of y'all know that was one of the, the greatest sermons ever preached according to religion? been recited more than anyone else, been studied more than anyone else. I think it was what, what began the, the first or second great awakening in, in America. I'm telling you, how I many you know you're not sinners in the hands of an angry God? But see, we've been taught this over the years that God is mad. With it. God is mad. God is mad. God's going to send the punishment. You know, God is sending punishment to us. This is why you're getting sick because you did something wrong. I mean, my grandmother, I remember grow, uh, my, my father telling me this as growing up, he'd be riding his bike and he'd, he'd fall over on his bike and get a you know, skin up his knee and his mommy would say, what'd you do? You must have done something wrong. You must have done something wrong. God, God knows it. God knows it. Why? Because we're just sinners in the hands of an angry God. That's rubbish. God is not angry at us. God's hunting after us. He's been hunting after us. Sickness is not a punishment from God that he's sending down to this earth. I mean, if that was the case, you know, one of our favorite verses here in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how, how God hath anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? With the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with them. Now, now if, if God was with them and he was going out healing everyone who was oppressed of the devil, how dare he do something that God's putting on them? Oh, God, the Father's putting out sickness on everyone, but Jesus, he'll come back and he'll heal you. He'll heal you on the backside. Are you serious? You think that's the relationship between the Father and the Son? Now, Jesus said, I don't do anything. I don't, I, don't, I don't hear my Father, or I don't see my Father do, and I don't say anything I don't hear my Father say. He's, he's not trying to punish you. He's not trying to harm you. The simple case is, listen, according to scripture, sickness, sickness is part of the curse. Sickness comes from the adversary. Now he's looking to punish you. He's looking to destroy you. He's looking to kill you. He's looking to hurt you. Why? Because he's looking to, any, to do anything he can and attempt to separate you from the father. How many, you, how many, you know, he doesn't really care about you. I mean, we, we focus a whole lot on Satan, but he doesn't care about you. He don't think about you. He's not really all that concerned about you. The only thing is, he knows he can't come against and harm the Father, so what does he want to do? He'll just do anything he can to hurt you because he knows the Father loves you. So he wants to distort who the Father is to you so he can harm the Father, right? That's the only way he can get at him is by harming us. So what do we need to do? We keep on teaching keep on teaching. You get in the word of God. We keep on teaching. We keep on teaching. Why? Because Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How many of y'all know you can't pray for faith? You can't pray for, you can't receive it. Oh Lord, just give me more faith. He doesn't do that. He says, listen to my word, listen to my word going forth and it will begin to ignite something on the inside of you uh, that hell can't put out. That hell can't put out. Amen. Well, jump with me here. Yeah, jump with me here. I've got plenty of time to get this done. Here in Luke chapter 17. 
Let's look at an account that we, that we probably all know very well. It's the account of the 10 lepers. The 10 lepers that came to Jesus for healing. Right, let's see what the Holy Ghost desires to reveal to us regarding this topic here. So in Luke chapter 17, let's just, let's start off here. Let's start off here in verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village and there he met 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. So, so as we pick this up here, firstly, we see that, that Jesus, he was walking on, along the border of Galilee and Samaria, where he came into contact with, with 10 men that, that happened to be lepers. Now, let me lay a little bit of foundation here, because before we get into the, to the rest of the verses here, you, we need to understand, I know all of us understand these things, but let me just reaffirm, or reaffirm you know, your faith, reaffirm what the Word of God says for us, amen, so we can kind of catch the picture of what the Lord is trying to reveal here. So firstly, why was Jesus walking along this border of Samaria? See, it wasn't, if you, if you read the scriptures, we know it's not Jesus' habit to go hang out in Samaria all the time. Now, he would cross through it. You know, Samaria was, was a little spot in between Galilee and, uh, and, and Judea, and he would cross through it. Many times he'd go around it. We know his disciples, he said, don't even venture off into there, right? But so, what was, so he was actually walking along the border here. Why, why, why was he doing that? Why, why? Is it because Jesus didn't love the Samaritans? Absolutely not. Of course Jesus loved the Samaritans, but he'll send to the Jews first, right? How many of y'all know this? He'll send to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. He'll send to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. Now, as we spoke, you say, why is that? Because as we spoke last Sunday, what did we find out? That God made a covenant, I mean, he made a covenant with Abraham and his seed and his people and then the believers that are, that are a part of that, right? He made, a, he made a covenant with them. So what was he doing? He was going to fulfill that covenant. See, that's why the word says that, you know, if we know it got flipped around, it says that the first will be last and the last will be first. What is that talking about? The Jews are first. But see, since they didn't receive the things, what happened? It made them last. And then the Gentiles became first. And now how many of y'all know we got a job to minister to the Jews? Don't hate the Jews. Amen, because they disagree with us. No, we love them. And we're, we're actually part, we are, we, our inheritance is through them. We don't hate those people. No, we're actually the last that became first. Why? So now it's going to be our job to minister unto them. Our job is to reveal Jesus. They miss Jesus. Now it's going to be our job to reveal it to him before he comes back and receives them. Or else they get to go through this tribulation. Amen, and then, the, and then they'll receive them. Amen, but it's our job. It's our job to minister back into these people. But he went to, he went, he, got, he is called to go to the Jews first. Now, some people say, well, isn't Samaria part of Israel? Well, yes, yes and no. Yeah, yes, it's part of the land, but yes, the, the people are different. Israel is not just a land. Israel is a people, right? So you got the people of Israel. They would call these Samaritans, they'd call them half Jews, half breeds, I mean, they're not the complete thing. They're not good enough. You say, well, how'd they get this reputation? How'd they get this name? Well, well, it dates all the way back to where Babylon came in and conquered, right? We know Babylon came in, King Nebuchadnezzar came in, and he, he took the northern kingdom first, 
right? Israel is divided into two different kingdoms, a king over each one. He came in and he defeated the northern kingdom first, right? And then he came in and defeated the southern kingdom, which was Judea, right? Now, the interesting thing about Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and the Babylonian empire is when they'd come in and they'd defeat, they'd take the, what they considered the best out. They'd take some of the wealthy, they'd take the very intelligent, they'd take the, the beautiful, they'd take, you know, the strong, and they'd take these people and bring them up to their land, and then they'd leave, they'd leave the people that were sick the people that were poor, and then like in Israel, they'd leave, you know, some of the priests and stuff, say, listen, you, you take care of those people, right? And then they sent some of their poor, some of their people, and they, they sent them down that land and say, now you can go down there and you can start over, right? So what happened? These people that were left in, 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 in Jerusalem, they were sitting there for a while, and then they, they started meeting these other ladies. They started meeting other men. They started marrying, intermarrying, and breeding with the Gentiles. So when, so when the Jews were let go, when God freed them from, from it was, I guess it was the Persian Empire then, what, what happened? They came back. They went down to Jerusalem. They saw all these people walking around with mixed marriages, and they're like, what is this? Who are you? You are married to Gentiles. Get out. Get out. You don't deserve. You're unclean. You're unpure. You get out. You're not even permitted to come into our temple. Right? So they drove them out. They, they, went, they went back up into Samaria. And what happened? They even began to build their own temple up there. Why? Because they weren't permitted into the one in Jerusalem. So they built their own temple up there in Samaria, which just even... This made a, uh, even a bigger divide between the two because now they say, not only have you intermarried and made yourself unclean, now you're pagan because you, don't, because you have your own temple, right? So they, the Jews did not talk with the Samaritans or the Samaritans didn't talk with the Jews. The Jews would call them dogs. They're just dogs up in Samaria. Now this may have been the attitude of the culture of Israel or Judea, Right? But this wasn't necessarily the attitude of Jesus. I mean, this isn't why he wasn't, he wasn't going through Samaria, right? Jesus loved the Samaritans, amen? He just wasn't sent to them yet. He was sent to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. Now, secondly, I want you to see, as it says that, that they met some lepers. He met 10 lepers, as a matter of fact. Ten lepers. Now, now, what is the deal with leprosy? We don't get to see that a whole lot in this day and age, it, it's still a disease that exists, but we don't see it a whole lot. So, so what is leprosy? Leprosy is like a, a flesh-eating disease, amen, that was thought to be very contagious back in these days, right? Very contagious. So, so what happened? They separated them out of the city. They, they, couldn't, they weren't permitted to come into the city. They had to stay away from people. Most of them, they say, lived around the dumps around town right? So they could feed themselves and, and have a place to live. They had to live outside the city. They weren't permitted to go in the city, nor were they permitted to go into the temple, right? Now, it's interesting. If we know it's God's presence and God's word that, that, that can heal people, I find it quite ironic that the ones that needed healing weren't able to go into the place that they needed healing, right? But it, it's just, it's just the, way, it's the way it was. It was, it was the rules. It was, part of, it was part of the law there. Now, why weren't they allowed in the temple? I'd say it could be a twofold reason. Number one, they thought this disease was absolutely repulsive, right? Number one, they didn't want to catch that because it was disgusting when, when they would look at you. Why? Because there was open sores. You know, people, maybe they're missing ears, some maybe missing a nose, you know, uh, you know lips, you know, fingers, and it, it, they, they look pussy. It, they could be, it could be very 
repulsive, amen, to, to the natural eye, right? But also, leprosy and sin have always been synonymous with one another. They, they've always gone hand in hand. It's, it's a prophetic picture, if you will, of what actually sin does to you, right? I mean, you can go through the Old Testament many times when it's talking about leprosy. It's actually, actually talking about sin, Right? Well, because it's a prophetic picture. What does sin do? Sin will, sin will come in. It'll start eating away at your body. It'll start eating away at you. It'll start eating away at your limbs. It'll start eating away at your ears. It'll start eating away at your mouth and your nose. It'll start eating away at you until it does what? Until it kills you, right? Because the wage of sin is death, and it always has been, and it always will be. Amen, that this is the wage of it, right? It will eat you up. Amen, so why weren't they allowed to come to the temple? Because they didn't, they didn't want to receive that repulsive disease, nor did they want the contagious sin. How many of y'all know that sin can be contagious? Hmm? Sin can be contagious. I don't care what they, they, they talk about around pulpits nowadays. Sin can be contagious. You, you put yourself around the people that like to sin and you want to get in unity and union with them. Listen, you're going to receive that. This is what it says. What bad, bad morals corrupt, uh, bad company corrupts good morals, right? Because this is, this is the reality of it. Now you want to place yourself, you want to put yourself in a position to minister to people that are in sin? Listen, that's a completely different story. You're going with the, the, in the power and the glory of God, the anointing of God to change the environment around you, but you want, to, you want to posture yourself in the position of that, you're going to receive what you're putting yourself into. Hmm? Dangerous. They said, we don't want them in there. They're, they're sinners. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want those people in there. They're sinners. They, 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 they haven't got healed yet, so either they're unrepentant or they're unforgiven, so they can't come into our house. Why? Because we don't want what they have. We don't want the physical disease, and we don't want the spiritual, you know, spiritual sin nature that, that's all over them as well. So they, they said, no, you stay away. But thank the Lord that Jesus doesn't just look at our out, outward facade, what we portray or project from the outside, Jesus likes to look at our heart, right? He, he looks at the inside. He sees what's on the inside, no matter how foul, no matter how indignant our flesh or, or, or we may be presenting ourselves. He looks at the inside. Glory to God. He says, and he met 10 lepers. He went to a certain city uh, there in, in verse 12. He went to a certain village, and there he met 10 men which were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, now I, I find this absolutely beautiful. You have 10 lepers here that knew they needed mercy. They knew they needed mercy. Why? Because no one else was giving it to them. The Levites weren't going to give it to him. The priests weren't going to give it to it. You know, the, the people of the city weren't going to give it to him. No one was going to give him this mercy. Not even the doctors. They didn't want to touch him. They didn't want what they had. So no one's going to give mercy. So what they do? They saw the Messiah coming. They begin to cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. No one else will have mercy. Have mercy on us. We know you can fix these things. Crying out to the Messiah, listen, church, this, this can change your life. This can change your life. I find this, this word, if you dig a little deeper here, this, this word for master here is usually that can be translated master or teacher, but not, not this one. 
This word master here is, is a little bit different. It, it, it's more of a stronger word than teacher that, that, that we see. It, it, the lexicon likes it to be in, he is a chief or the chief commander. Right? So when, so when they were looking at it, they weren't just saying teacher, teacher, teacher. No, when they're looking at it, they're like, the chief commander, the anointed one. The chief of my life. Who were they? They're saying Messiah, the anointed one. They knew, they knew who he was. They knew he was, and they've been to cry out to him, cry out to him with covenant names, right? So they could receive the mercy that God had for them. Now, out of respect, what they do, they, they, they stood a little bit of a distance from him. They, did, they didn't come to him. They're, they were following the law. And they began to cry, have mercy on us. And when they saw him, or when he saw them, excuse me, he said to them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. He says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, I love Jesus, you know, how he ministered. It was absolutely amazing. He never did. He never prayed for people. He never healed the same way. He never did anything the same way. Why? Because he didn't want a formula to get taken place. He didn't want you to say, well, if I just, if I can say these words and touch people right here, this is how they get healed. Because that's not how people get healed. It's the power of the spirit by faith, right? So he never did anything the same. So what did he do? The lepers came to him. Sometimes he touched them. Sometimes he grabbed a hold of them and pulled them to himself and began to whisper in their ear. And then when the blind came, sometimes he spoke to them. Sometimes Sometimes he spit in their eyes. Sometimes he touched them. Sometimes he spit in the deaf man's mouth. He did, he did things differently when people came to him. Why? So we wouldn't get caught up in the formula, right? But it's amazing how, I guess many of us could think some of those things would be offensive, especially if someone comes up and spits in your face. But I would have to venture and say probably this one would have probably been the most offensive out of all of them. Can you, you know what I'm saying? And they're sitting there saying, I know who you are, Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're my master. You are the chief of Israel. That's you. I see you. Will you have mercy on us? And Jesus says, go, go show yourself unto the priest. Just go show yourself unto the priest. Like Jesus, what? What are we, are we that repulsive that you, that you won't, have we, we've heard what you've done to the other lepers. We, we heard you hugged that one. We heard you touched that one. We heard, you know, you spoke to that. And you're just going to tell us, go show yourself unto the priest. Don't you have enough love for us that you'll, that you'll come to us? Don't you have, won't you have mercy? I ask you to have mercy on me. I ask you to, to heal me. Don't you know I can't even, I can't even go into the temple? Don't you know I can't even go into the priest? I'm not even permitted to go into the city. I can't do these things. What are you trying to get me stoned? I go into these places, people are going to kill me. What, what are you trying to do? Hmm? Don't you love me? Don't you love me? But the amazing thing is they didn't get offended. They didn't get offended with the way Jesus released healing unto him. What they do? They became obedient. They became obedient to the instructions of the healer. They became obedient. Listen, this is, this is a, a really powerful word that a lot of us don't, don't understand what it means anymore. They became obedient to the word of God. They came obedient to the healer himself. They, they refused to take up offense. 
I'm telling the church, there was a, there was a powerful, a powerful message, a little series there by John Bevere talking, talking about the bait of Satan. I'm telling you, you, every single one of you ought to listen to that message. You say, why is that? Because that is the bait. Offense is the bait that Satan uses to destroy God's people. And it's so easy. I mean, you see half the church nowadays walking, they're walking around about offended. <laughs> Amen. But you're not going to receive anything when you get offended. I promise you. I mean, it's just like these boys, if they would have got irritated, what are you talking about? I've seen everything you've done. You're, and you're talking to us like that? Just go see the priest where we can't even go, we can't even go see him? Get offended and walked off. You know what they were deceived? Nada. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. But when they became obedient, I, don't, I may not understand what you're asking me. I, I, I don't get it. But I do know who you are. And I'm going to submit myself unto that. And I'm going to move forward with what you have for me. And what happened? They released the expression of their faith by being obedient to what the word of God said, to what the Lord, what the healer said. And what happened? It says they got healed as they walked. They got healed as they walked. Healing became a product of who they were because of their expression of their faith, because they were obedient. So let me ask you this. When did these people get healed? When did they get healed? Hmm? As soon as their faith grabbed a hold of what, of what the Lord said, right? See, healing was released. When Jesus spoke the word, healing was released. When I speak the word, healing can be released. When we read the word of God, healing can be released. But see, when healing gets released, that does, that does, that's only half of the picture, right? Healing gets released, but see, it's our faith that has to grab it. It was their faith that grabbed it and began to lather it all over their body. They took the words spoken of the Messiah, and as they believed it, as they knew what he said to be true, whether they understood it or not, they jumped out in it, and what happened? They received their healing as they went down the way. It didn't matter if it was just one step. Oh, oh, I'm going to get healed as I go. Whether it was five steps or whether it was five miles down the way, as soon as their faith grabbed a hold of it, it began to cleanse their body. Their bodies became cleansed. Now, let me point that out to you because I find this, this is pretty good right here. Maybe you haven't picked this up before. It says, he goes, go show yourself to the priest. And as they came to pass, as they, as they were walking, as they went, it says they were cleansed. Now, listen, this word cleansed here. Most of the time when we, when we see the word healed or made whole in the word of God, it, it's the Greek word sozo, right? It comes from, it is derived from another Greek word called soteria, which means salvation, right? And they pull out sozo from that. And sozo is a very simple word. It means to be delivered, healed, saved, rescued, or made whole. Amen. It means to be delivered, healed, saved, rescued, or made whole. But that's not the word that was used here, right? That's not the word that was used here. That's why it's, it's translated cleansed. As they were walked, they were cleansed. It's the Greek word uh, katharizo. Katharizo, and it means, it means I cleanse from the lexicon. It means I cleanse, I make clean. 
It can literally mean being cleansed for a ceremony, uh, for a ceremony or being ceremonial cleansed or, or spiritually cleansed, according also, uh, obviously to the context. But it means make pure to clean, removing all admit, uh, admixture or the intermingling of filth. So what? So what? So what's being said here? It says they're cleansed. It means that there was filth that was on the inside of them, and it removed it. The filth got removed from them. What is that? The sin got removed from them. It got removed from them. This is what the, this is what the, the word is talking about here. As they walked along the way, they got cleansed. When Jesus sent them to the priest, which was to be verified by the law, right? That's why Jesus said that, listen, if you're a leper, you get healed, you're going to have to go show yourself to the priest. The priest will give you permission to come back to the temple, come back to the city. They, they will verify it. Right? So it was by the law. But see, as they went to the priest, the high priest forgave them. You see that? As they were going to the priest, the high priest released forgiveness into them. He forgave them. And when they were forgiven, when they went, as they began to walk in, forgiveness began to come upon them. What they recognize? the sickness no longer could attack them anymore. It no longer could attack them anymore. So they, so they begin to look down and they looked and they're like, oh my Lord, I don't, I don't feel pain anymore. I don't feel, I don't feel pain anymore. Now you think this was a, a coincidence? You think this was a, a, a coincidence? If you, if you look, if you look back up to, uh, look up, yeah, let's go ahead and go there. Look back up here to verse three. And Jesus was just teaching his disciples about forgiveness. You think it's a coincidence that this, that this happened right after Jesus was teaching on this? Absolutely not. It says here in verse 3, it says, Take heed for yourselves. If your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, not if he just says, oh, I'm sorry, but then, and then does it again and does it again. That's not what it's talking about. He says, if he repents, meaning if he changes the way he thinks, starts thinking like the word, starts thinking like, like the law, and then he comes to you and seeks that repentance, or, or he is repentant coming to you, seeking out forgiveness, he says, forgive him, right? Forgive him. It's as simple as that, right? And if he repents, forgive him. And if he trespasses against you seven times in a day, Seven times in a day, turn to him, saying, I repent. You shall forgive him. That's pretty difficult stuff right there. If Adrian comes up to me and does seven different things to me, what do we want to do? We want to give him the boot. Oh, get out of here. Get out of here. You're an idiot. You know, I don't like you anymore. You must not like me. You know, we're, we're going to take offense to it. Don't take that carrot. What well, does Jesus say? Forgive them. If they have a repentant heart, not if they slap you in the face and say, I'm sorry, and then slap you in the face again. That, that's not what he's talking about here, right? He's talking about if they do seven, seven different things. Why? Because they have a repentant heart. They're not going to do the same thing over and over, right? But they have a repentant heart because we are, to, we are called to forgive them. He goes, and the apostle said to me, look, increase my faith. No doubt. Increase my faith. But Jesus says, it's not about your faith. It's about your obedience. It's not about your faith. 
Someone you hear me, it's not about your faith, it's about your obedience. He says, For if any of you have faith of the size of the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto the sycamine tree, Be plucked up by the root, and you shall be planted in the sea, and it shall obey you. See, it don't take a whole lot of faith to get amazing things happen. You can speak to a mountain, you can speak to a tree, you can say, Go over here, and it only takes a wee bit of faith about this much to get that to happen. It only takes about this much faith, amen, to get someone healed. It only takes this amount of faith to cast out a devil. It only takes this amount of faith to have to raise the dead. It only takes this amount of faith to get those things done. But, he says, but which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, go sit down, go sit down to eat. He says, no, 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 no. Rather, you're going to say unto him, you go make, you go make ready my meal. Let me eat. Go gird yourself. Serve me until I've eaten and I'm drunken. And then afterwards, they, uh, you can eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things he was commanded to do? What's he talking about? He's talking about forgiveness here, right? So does he thank the servant because he did what he was commanded to do? So Jesus starts, you know, tying these two together. You're commanded to forgive. He says, do you think, do you think he's going to say, well done? I'm so, I'm so thankful for you, Pam. You did a great job on forgiving. No, because we're commanded to do it. We're, we're commanded to do these things. He says, so likewise, when you've done all those things which he have commanded you, say, we're just unprofitable slaves, unprofitable servants, and we have done that which was our duty. We should not be looking for kudos from the Lord, kudos from, from spiritual leaders. Amen. When we're doing things that the word is just asking us to do, right? Oh, come on, church. Don't be getting all quiet on me in here today. Hallelujah. So who do these, who do these lepers sin against? Jesus. God, who is Jesus. So, so they sinned against Jesus, right? And Jesus did exactly what he was teaching the disciples on a few verses before. A few verses before. He released healing as he forgave. So let me ask you this question. We talk about forgiveness. Hallelujah. We need to receive forgiveness for God. But listen, if we're not giving forgiveness... Can we release the power and the anointing of God to do the things that he's asked us to do? Forgiveness is important. It's important. We need to, we need to follow our master. Hmm? See, when we have a, a forgiving heart, I mean, we don't allow it to get obsessed with getting even, making retribution. We can let things go. The Holy Ghost can begin to flow. He can begin to use us from the, for as a vessel. If we don't release those things, listen, we, everything gets all jammed up on the inside of us and we've created a dam that he can't flow through us. I'm telling you, forgiveness is powerful. It's something that we need to, we need to yield to here. So he says, as it came to pass, as they went, he says they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice, he glorified God. He glorified God. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and he began to glorify God. This word healed here 
when this man saw that he was healed. Now, this is, this is not that catharizo that we saw a second ago. It's not that he was cleansed, right? It's not, that's not what it's talking about. This is, this is a different word. It's not sozo either. What, what, what is this word? It's, the, it's another Greek word. It's, uh, this one I always have a hard time pronouncing. It's eaomi. Eomi, I, I think is how you, how you say that word. And it means to heal generally of the physical, sometimes of the spiritual disease, right? So when he saw that he was healed, when he saw that he was healed of the spiritual disease of the, of the sin, amen, that yeah, he was committing, right? He began to glorify God. He began to cry, he began to glorify God, he began to thank God. When this, this leper began to walk by and, he's, and he, he sensed that he was clean on the inside, what he recognized, I don't have any pain in my body. Man, I feel so clean. Any of y'all ever been in the presence of God and, and you just begin to worship and, you, and just a cleanness begins to come upon you. This is exactly what happened to this leper. He, he just had that clean, just his, his whole body from the top of his head to the soles of his feet from the inside out, he just felt clean. And when they, he felt clean, what happened? He looked down. He's like, all he started seeing was scars coming on his arms, scars coming on his chest. All the boils and open sores were closed up and they began to scar over. And what he did, he began to glorify God. He began to, he began to worship him. He began to praise him and began to thank him for what God just did for him, what Jesus just did for him. And then verse 16, it says, and he fell down on his face. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, we're not, we're not the 10 cleansed. Where, where are the other nine? Where, weren't there 10 that were cleansed? Where were the other nine? Amen. Now this guy, he didn't, he, he stopped. He stopped walking with the crew, turned back around, began to, to praise and thank God for what he did, but he didn't stop there. Then he began to run back to Jesus, right? And then what did he do? He prostrated his face, his body on the ground. He began to worship him. He, he put his face, uh, like laid down on his stomach with his head at Jesus' feet and began to worship him. Placed himself into submission, placed himself under Jesus, Revealing him as, you know, I'm, I'm worshiping you. I'm worshiping you as God. I'm worshiping you for who you are. Listen, church, when we, we can praise God. We can thank God for the things he does. But listen, church, we got to get to that place where we learn to worship. And how do you worship? Worship comes from a place of knowing who he is. Worship comes from a place of knowing who he is. Not just what he does for you, but knowing who he is. And when you, get, when you get a clue, when you get a little glimpse of who he is, I'm telling you, church, it will drive you down to your knees. It will drive you on your face before him. Hmm. It will drive you when you figure out who he is, that he is all God Almighty. He is Savior. He is Alpha. He is Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is healer. He is lover. He's God. He is Theos. And Jesus simply answered them, where are the rest of your mates? Where are the rest of your mates? You don't think Jesus desires your worship? 
As the guy's sitting there worshiping, prostrated on the ground before him, he just looks down and says, where are the rest of your mates? I'm telling you, Jesus, he deserves our worship. I'm telling you, he doesn't, he doesn't just deserve it. He hungers after your worship. He hungers after your worship, not because he's a narcissist. Not, not, no, no, but he knows that, that what we behold is what we become. What we behold is what we become. That as we, as we keep our gaze and we begin to worship him, his attributes can begin to flow through us and in us. I'm telling you, the, the worshiper's gaze with his eyes on Jesus, this is what keeps him out of sin. This is how that leper never goes back to sin again. Why? Because his gaze is sin solely focused on the Savior that's ahead of him. Amen. You want to stay out of leprosy again? Keep your gaze on Jesus. Keep your gaze on Jesus. These other guys, they didn't keep their eyes on Jesus. They, they just kept on walking, right? So let me finish up with these last couple of verses. Here in verse 18, it says, And there was not found, it says, And there was not found that, uh, them that returned to give glory to God, save a stranger. He, Jesus saying, Listen, none, none, of, none of you are going to come back to me but a Samaritan? Only one of you half Jews. Only one of the half breed, you're, you're the ones coming back to me. I mean, but where, the, the Jews, they kept on proceeding along. Aren't the Jews the one that should know who I am? Aren't the Jews the one that have been worshiping me in the temple? Aren't the Jews the one that, that knew exactly who I am and what I've come to do? They've been looking and praying for a Messiah, yet, yet they continued on, and the half Jew comes back and worships us. Oh, man. The first will be last, and the second became the first, right? The second became first. Here in verse 19, and we'll end with this. And he said to him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith. Not my faith, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith, your knowing, your acknowledging, your believing who I am, honoring me as God, has done what? Has made you whole. Has made you whole. Not just cleansed you, catch this, not just cleansed you, but it's made you whole. Now, this is the third word that we see used for healing here. It's the third word, right? This word whole, this is where you find so-and-so. This is where you find so-and-so, where he was delivered. He was healed. He was saved. He was rescued. He was made whole. So as Jesus spoke these words, I mean, as he, spoke, as he spoke these words of this man, and he says, these, as he's down there on the ground, if you can picture that he's down there on the ground worshiping the Lord, and the Lord speaks these words, your faith, your faith has sozoed you. Your faith has made you whole. And he began to look down, and he began to see scars disappearing. Scars disappearing, ears growing back. His nose may have came out, his lips, whatever. whatever. Maybe he has had his fingers down there. Maybe he was missing a, missing a few fingers and they started to grow right back into place. He was made whole. Made whole. You know, I had a, I had a, I had a professor in university. His name was Dr. Levesque. And he was one of those different kind of, well, he was like a hippie is what he was, you know, it wouldn't surprise, well, I'll, I'll leave that alone, but he, he was like a hippie. But he was a very smart guy, he was one of the head guys over the business department. And I remember him talking one day, and obviously this was before I was a Christian, 
but the Lord brought this back to me after I became a Christian. But he began to talk to this. He was talking to us one day in class, and and he just came out of court, and he was saying, "Listen, you know, pra- you know." He didn't say praise the Lord, but he was like, "Oh man, amazing day, amazing day." He goes, "We, I just, I just won my court case." And we're like, well, what happened? What happened? Tell us about it because we didn't want to have school anyhow, right? So, so just tell us what, what's the crack? What happened? He said, well, I got in a car wreck months ago and, and, it, and it totaled my car. And he says, and I went to the insurance company and the insurance company said, you know, we will give you, say, say 10 grand for the car. And he was like, but he goes, but I'm out 25 grand. And now I have a rental car that I'm out. I, all, all this is all this. I, I got to pay for all this. I can't get another car for ten grand. When I bought this, it was this price, and so on and so forth. Well, they're like anyone else, like any car dealership or insurance company over here. They said, "No, we don't. We don't see it. your car's not worth that. It's not worth twenty-five grand. It's only worth ten grand, right? Because you can look up in this book, and the, the the value says the book it's only worth this amount of money. So that's all you're gonna get." And he said, "Okay." So he began to read through his policy. As he read through the policy, there was this one word in there that was, that was unique. And I've looked through all of my policies, and I've never really seen it ever since. But it said, it said we will make you, indemnify you, and make you whole. And he said, make me whole. He goes, I gotcha. Enough to where he could take it to the court, you know, give evidence. Or this is the contract I signed. They were going to make me whole. I have, I'm out this. I'm out this much money. My car is worth this. I've spent this money in the past. I don't care what the car is worth now. I need to be made whole. What was taken from me needs to be identified. It needs to come back 100%, not, not 60% that they say, not 20% like they say, 100%, because that's what being made whole is. And that court, make them whole. Make them whole. And of course, they gave him a new contract. I didn't use that, that grammar in it the next time, <laughs> right? But they had to make him whole. Hey, man, you say, well, what does this mean? See, we've got to understand what healing means when, when the Lord's talking about healing. He's talking about making you whole. He's not talking about, oh, I'll just leave a little scar there. No, see, if we, see we, we stop there because that's where our faith stops us from believing. But see, that's not where Jesus is speaking. Jesus isn't saying, I just, I just want to fix your broken arm. I just want to you know, heal that little scratch. I just want to take that cough away from you. No, he wants to make you completely whole. Anything that was stolen from you, he says, I want to give it back 100% in how I've created you to be. But we'll receive it. Will we receive it? Will we be made whole? I mean, this leper, his ears grew back. Fingers may have grown back. You know, noses may have grown back. Hmm? He was made whole. He was made whole. Interesting thing about this church is when we have the faith to actually believe what, what, what the Lord has to say. I mean, you'll find that there is nine lepers then probably walking around somewhere in Galilee that were healed, and they had an amazing testimony. Man, check this out. Check this out, man. I met Jesus. I met Messiah. And, man, he healed me. He cleansed me. Look look at me. Look, see all these scars on me? See, you can tell I was a leper. I've been cleansed. I got cleansed by the king. They had an amazing testimony. But there was one of them walking around Galilee. That his only testimony was the words that came out of his mouth. Why? Because there were no scars on his body. 
there was no there is no you know uh, no evidence of leprosy ever being upon him because he was made completely whole church this is where he wants us to be if we can grab a hold of these things by faith if we can grab a hold of these things by faith why because jesus church he is the entrance into healing He is the entrance into sozo, not just katharizo, not just your cleansing, not just a spiritual cleansing or a spiritual healing. No, no, he, he is the entrance into sozo. He is the entrance into making you completely whole the way he designed you in all of your perfection and all of the perfection that he made you. And as we worship him, as we learn to worship him, as we posture ourselves and worship with him, listen, this will, this will open things up. This will open things up to where you can not only receive the fullness of him, but you'll begin to receive those attributes as well. Why? Because he is the entrance into healing. Amen? Is that all right for you this evening? All right, well, Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord. Ah, for who you are. Now we worship you for who you are. You are absolutely amazing. You are Alpha. You are Omega. You are our God. You're my King. You're my Savior. You're my Redeemer. And Jesus, you are my healer. You are our healer. We thank you, Lord. Position us to the place, Lord, that we can come and we can, we can posture ourselves, Lord, to receive everything that you have for us, Lord. Help us not to stop short from what you have for us. Lord, thank you, Lord, for your healing. We thank you, Lord, for, for, for the things that you've done in our lives, Lord. But we want completeness. We want fullness. We want to be made whole. We want sozo, your word, the words you spoke to begin to flow through our bodies, Lord. Anything that the adversary has stolen, any accident that, that we've, may have, we've may have hindered ourselves from things that we've done in the past, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, that we have the ability to receive complete wholeness in Jesus' name. For you are Jesus. You are. You are healing. You are. You are so-so. You are sectarian. You are our salvation. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We magnify you, Lord, as we, as we meditate on these things, as we ponder and meditate and allow these things to go over and over and over in our spirits and our minds. Lord, Lord teach us. Teach us, Lord. Unveil. Take, off, take another layer off the onion, Lord, to where, we can, to where we can begin to receive everything that you have for us, Lord. But I don't, I don't want to stop short. I don't want any of my, my brothers and my sisters or to stop short. Oh, we want to be exactly who you say you are, Lord, because, Lord, we know you get the glory for it. You get the glory for it when we walk in what your word says. We walk in what you've spoken over us, Lord. So we just want to thank you, Lord. We want to glorify you. We honor you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for, for this week that you've given us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, we'll continue to walk in complete healness and wholeness through the rest of the week. We thank you, Lord, that, that we don't have to be subject to any viruses or anything else that are, that are coming around us. Lord, we are the healed of God. So we receive that. Our, our lungs are cleansed. 
our nostrils are, are open. Our air passages are, are flowing free. We thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that mucus is dried up in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that coughing is ceasing in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that we're full of energy. We're full of your glory, Lord. Why? Because we are the healed of God. So we glorify you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our, our jobs. We thank you, Lord, for the righteous labor of our hands. Lord, may we be a blessing to these corporations, to these companies, to these ministries, whatever it is we're involved in, Lord, may we be a blessing to them, Lord. May they, may they be blessed just because we show up to work. Lord, may we carry your presence, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that our jobs become our ministries, Lord. We have opportunity, Lord, to reveal people to you. Reveal people you. So we thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. We thank you for this church. Mm. I thank you, Lord, for this family. We thank you, Lord, for the ambassadors of Christ. You've called each and every one of us to be, Lord. Thanking you, Lord, that we here at Island Church are covered by your blood. We're empowered by your word. And we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen.